Welcome back to the Fire Circle, a place where we can gather and reflect in our walking in life. I'm Janelle, and joined with me is Levitt. And Travis. Hello. And Kevin. Hi. They are our Anasazi Field. They're part of our Anasazi Field team. Would you guys mind telling me a little bit about your connection to Anasazi? My story began in a thrift store, <laughs> like many other stories of mine. Uh, I found the anatomy of peace in the thrift store um, and my ramblings. And I'd seen it a few times in many thrift stores. And I kind of just, I, I didn't really know what it was. I had no connection to it. And uh, I gave it a read um, and it blew me away, changed my life, changed my, the way I thought. And uh, I then began talking about it more and more with my friends, with my family. Um, some of my friends had read it, read parts of it. They'd read it for school or other things. Um, and then one time I was talking about it at a, a dinner, my friend's family dinner, and someone's new boyfriend or, or husband at the time was like, oh, yeah, I've read that. And uh, then I kind of asked him more questions. And then he told me that he was a young walker at Anasazi back in like 1994. And I was like, what's that? And the whole time I read An the Anatomy of Peace, I thought it was just a theoretical, like, you know, thought project or just kind of a, this is what could happen. Um, and he was the first time that I'd heard Anasazi was like a real thing, a real physical place that you could test out these uh uh, this this you know mind experiment if you may and uh so then uh within a couple months i applied to anasazi and that was in 2014 and uh yeah it's i mean working here has changed my life it's changed the way i think about every stranger i see on the street um and so that's what's kept me here that's what's i yeah i don't know that's that's the beginning of my life at anasazi Wow, that's an awesome story. I haven't heard that one before. I um, can't believe people are thrifting the anatomy of peace. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question, yeah. <laughs> How about you, Travis? Uh, you know, I've done this so many times where me and Kevin introduce, um, you know, our, our way of uh, coming to Anasazi. And I should have thought about it beforehand of going first because I know Kevin's story is a lot more <laughs> interesting and cooler than mine. I was just dropping out of school and I had no to do, no idea what to do with my life. And a roommate's like, "Hey, you should work at Anasazi." So I applied and uh, showed up here. That's awesome. What kept you coming back? Uh, it was an uh, instant connection. I'd never worked with kids before. I'd never really done any kind of nature stuff. Never done an overnight hike or anything like that. Um, but from that first training, my first rabbit stick, it just felt like home. Felt like where I should be. Um, and like Kevin, ever since then, uh, it's changed how I how I live, uh, what I do, not only for a career, but also um, when I'm not working, how I travel, how I interact with people. Uh, just it was a good fit. I love that. Thank you. Um, I would love to hear about the first time you each made primitive fire. Do you want to go first this time, Travis? Yeah, no, I bet Kevin's story is probably better. <laughs> uh, it was that it was that rabbit stick. Uh, I remember uh, seeing it done by our trainers. It was it was Andy and Isaac, and Isaac has very much a um, a good grasp on how to make fire. And I remember watching him make fire and thinking that's impossible. There was some trickery with it, uh, and really had no idea. Um, I didn't think I'd be able to do it. And they showed us how to, how to, um, how to make fire. 
um, and help us gather the pieces. And I still just had zero faith in the process. Um, but if someone was going to do it in the group, I want it to be me. I want to be the first one. Um, I'm very competitive in that way. And I remember it was somebody else, uh, Neil, uh, busted a coal. And I kept going just all night trying, and, and I didn't get it. And... Uh, the, the woods was still uncomfortable for me at that time. Uh, so there's a few doubts uh, floating around as far as being able to do the job and whatnot. Um, but that next day, I decided to give it a go. Uh, Isaac was helping me out. And, and I remember busting that first coal and the, the sense of accomplishment, of feeling like I could do anything. And I remember very distinctly almost hearing a voice saying, hey, you can do this. And that's what solidified uh, me working at Anastasi was just that that first call and that first kind of, hey, this is something that you can do and this is the place you're supposed to be. Well, not too long ago, you and I did a fire bust off, remember? We did. <laughs> yeah. And I think you might be the only person that's ever beat me in a bust off. Oh, I've heard that a lot. But I think, I think we need actual judges to see when the call comes. I think, I think we might have to you do know, it again. There's more than one way to lose Janelle, but I'm, I'm more than happy to give you that experience. <laughs> How about you, Kevin? It, it's funny because it was such a, long time ago that that memory had sort of kind of gotten blurry but recently i was going through the alumni pictures back to 2014 and i found a picture of me after i busted i've never seen it and i found it like a month or two ago and i was actually just looking at it a couple nights ago because it's weird uh because, it, because all i remember about that rabbit stick was like i i was in my group of i don't know eight nine people there was I was one of the only people that was had any backpacking experience. And so I was very at ease with being out there and I knew the philosophy. And so I felt like I put myself into a position where I'm like, I'm, I should know everything better than right. Yes, of course. Yeah. 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 Like I, I'm supposed to be the guy that knows how to do everything, even though I've never done friction fire or even seen it. Um, and so I think I was a uh, pretty heady the, those first couple days kind of stuck in my own and so that's why it's probably pretty blurry I don't know I feel like I've changed a lot since then but I was definitely looking down on myself at some points like I should I should get this immediately I should just you know and and uh and it's fun because I've done so many rabbit sticks now since then that I I connect with the people whether they're 12 years old or they're you know new people working here that are 30 or whatever there's there's certain people who I see that same thing in them where it's like they think they should get this like just in 10 seconds, like because that's what the, I don't know. It's just what you think in your mind. And uh, I don't know. I think I've come a long ways from there. Uh, I don't know that, you know, there's always that joke that you need to have your heart at peace to be able to bust a coal that if you're like furious and you're like, let me, I've got this, then it's not going to work. And so I just remember it being a relieving moment. Uh, feeling what I'd later understand to be like a belonging place here where I was like one of the, one of us, one of the walkers. Uh, and I, and I see that every time I do a rabbit stick is like, once you bust that first coal, it's, it's very similar to getting that trail name for the first time where you're, you feel like you're a part of something bigger. Um, you can't really put your finger on it. Wow. That's, that's awesome. I haven't thought of it like that, but I think that's a very good definition. A good thing we've established your guys's carry box. We got better than an I deserve. <laughs> Mine's an I deserve. Yeah. I deserve to have the first call. I'm also better than everyone else though too. So I don't, I don't want, well, good thing they're kind of parallel. I don't want to shortchange myself. 
Travis fits into many boxes. Seth, I think, can I just mention one thing, Jenna? Yeah. Uh, I think it's also important. Not important, but maybe just a nice parallel that me and Kevin actually started at the same time. You know. Oh, you were in the same. But we were in separate groups, but our train, we, there's 13 or 14 people that showed up. Um, oh, okay. But me and Kevin were in separate groups. So yeah, we started at the same time. And it wasn't until two months later, I think, that I switched shifts and we worked together. Um, but yeah, that was the beginning also of of a seven-year relationship that leads us to this moment now. <laughs> so today's topic that, you know, every week we choose a topic and um, or every podcast. And, and today's, uh, the topic that you guys chose was boundaries. The first thing I want to ask is why boundaries? I'll take, I'll take this one, Kevin. Um, yeah, no, the, the, the reason that we decided to, uh, to choose boundaries, it's, it's something that, uh, I feel like I need to work on. Uh, it's something I read in Kevin's diary that he told me not to read. So, <laughs> um, but also boundaries is something I think about a lot. It has a negative connotation sometimes, uh, with how we say it on the trail. Um, but something that I've learned about my walking is, is boundaries help give the definition and, and form to relationships and to, you know, to certain in situations and, and ways of walking um, where it's not a it's it's not a, a negative thing it's more of a, a help um, and, a, and a guidance um, and how boundaries are going to change um, between relationships and how expectations work into that uh, especially in a professional workplace but also in, in any kind of relationship between mother and father um, siblings you know boyfriend girlfriend friends it's gonna be different in the I guess the better we are at finding and establishing those healthy boundaries early, uh, the more success that that's likely in that relationship. I love that. Um, Kevin, what exactly are boundaries? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I mean, this is one of those things we train our staff on and it's, it's a ambiguous blob of a definition, you know? Um, Because I think personally we can, kind of understand boundaries like i feel like it's something that you can there's never like i, I get it i'm 100 percent there it's something that we're just learning more and more about because it's not only learning your own boundaries but other people's boundaries and the infiniteness of the um uniqueness to everyone's own boundaries um then there's like this weird i was thinking while travis was just speaking i was thinking it's such a slippery slope or such a thin line between boundaries and walls you put up to to block out others I think the healthier you, healthier you are in life, the more you can define your own boundaries and be able to explain them and to stand behind them and to not really explain it to people, but to have enough of an understanding of yourself that it becomes obvious to people. Well, and I think something that you said was interesting is there's a, a fine line between like what a boundary is and what a wall maybe that would keep us disconnected. Because I think that's the goal, right? It's like this connection. Um, often we talk with parents, like the more connection you have, the less correction you have to give. And so um, how do you know when you're crossing that line, you think? Or how do you stop from crossing that line? I mean, I think it goes back to the what we say is that the one who stands within um, or your conscience or, um, or even it could be, you know, your connection with the creator or whatever you believe in as your moral compass or whatever you want to put to any of that. And Anasazu, we just use creator. It's easy. Yeah. And the yeah. one that stands within. But I mean, yeah, there, the, I mean, if you think of it one way, there's outside influences, which could be the creator or the sacred wind, or it's something 
that's innate in you. I think that can only really be the judge between the walls and the boundaries. And and I think that's where, you know, the the bomb of the pyramid of that connection with others and and uh, that that leads to you. The more people understand you and have experience with you, the easier it is, I think, to explain your boundaries or to show your boundaries with people. Yeah, I was thinking it's interesting that we're talking about boundaries when we're also talking about like a wilderness setting, right? I think a lot of times people would think, oh, there's no boundaries in the wilderness, you know, but there's obviously boundaries both with the wilderness, but the people that we're with in the wilderness. Um, What have each of you learned about boundaries that has been important to you in your walking? Uh, I'd say one of the things that I learned pretty early on, especially from... uh, from the trail was with boundaries and any relationship it's between two people. And so there's the difficulty of one setting your boundaries and, and, and having those be explained and understood, but also expecting the other person to hold and keep those boundaries and, and how to navigate that. And one of the ways I realized that was I remember specifically being in a boys band, um, great group of kids. We loved them. I was with them most of the time and a young Walker who I, I did like a lot. Great kid. Um, and something that the young walkers always joke about is like, Oh, I'm your favorite. You know, they say you're, you're my favorite trail walker. I'm your favorite young walker. And that's a boundary that I, I made sure to establish pretty quick of, uh, no, you're all the same to me. Um, but, but he said something pretty explicit of wanting, um, he wants something different or wants some kind of special treatment because of our relationship. And I don't feel like I had done anything to invite that, but that was something that he had understood from our relationship and a boundary I felt like he had crossed was want because we were close and because we, we had this shared experience that he could get something more out of it than, um, than another young walker in relationship to me. And that was a awakening for me of like, Oh, not only do I have to worry about where those boundaries are for me, but I also have to worry about, uh, what's being understood and what's being communicated and what, what boundaries this person's setting and that in that situation, you know, I'm there as a mentor to help them understand. So it's a little bit easier to be like, Hey, that was actually a good teaching moment of like, why do you want something more than, than what we already have? Um, but it made me think of my personal life and in relationships. And, and I think with a, with a girl I was dating at the time was like, Oh, I need to, I need to be mindful of what that other person's looking at as well. Um, to make sure we're having a healthy relationship. Yeah. Thank you. Kevin, what have you learned about boundaries that, I don't know, stands out to you? Yeah, um, I think, I mean, the the example that keeps coming to my head when we're talking about boundaries is my boundaries with my own family. When you're young, especially if you don't, you know, get any understanding of mental health or have therapy or anything like that, and you kind of just go through the normal middle school, high school, you go to college, and they kind of get lost in their own problems and you know, you may create a boundary to protect yourself, your own well-being, and then it leads to maybe that other person feeling offended. Like, oh, I don't get to do this in their life. I don't get to be a part of this. And it's something that's so hard to explain to people that, you know, for the first time. And it, it, and I, I see a lot of it happen here at Anasazi between parents and children, where children are creating boundaries because they're learning about these things. And the parents are like, we have to honor that. You know, it's like this, but they're a kid. Like they don't, they don't really know. And it's like, no, they do. We're all humans. And uh, and then the parents do the same thing. And then you see the, you know, from the young walker side and they're like, these parents are so controlling, you know? And, And that same thing happened to me and it happens to all of us. It's just like kind of in different variations, but, but it's, all I know is it's hard. It's hard creating those boundaries and to 
stick to them because it's always easier to slide to having huge walls around or to slide into I'll make everyone happy. I'll do everything for everyone else. I'll, you know, and it's maybe like, oh, I'm being selfless, but really you're just, you're being absent. You're just being everywhere and nowhere. I don't know. I, yeah, that's just what comes to my mind when I think about boundaries. Well, and I really, I think while you were talking, one thing that really stood up to me about the difference between walls and boundaries is the connection, right? Boundaries allow us to have the connection with the people, allow us to have the relationships like you've been talking about, Travis, um, with people, but um, and to stay connected. But walls are something that we put up and we disconnect from people. And so I think that that's a good distinction between the two. Um, so why do you guys feel that boundaries are so important and um I keep getting this sense of like respecting boundaries as well, but why do you feel like those boundaries are so important? I, I think just to go back to what I said before about that's what defines the relationship. And we ought, we ought to treat the relationship in any situation as the most important thing. Thinking about, you know, between in our situation, mostly parents and, and their children, uh, you know, we, we don't want what other problem or, or situations arise. We don't want those to take importance. We want the relationship to be what the focus is and, and kind of the thing that, that needs to be solved and saved or, or whatever that looks like. And boundaries are what what help define what that relationship is and so if there's a mutual understanding of that and a respect for those i think it's what gives the relationship the the best um the best recipe for success um and growth and um yeah well i was thinking about like the trail I love that answer, by the way. I was thinking that the trail, um, there are some boundaries that make a lot of sense to everybody. Like, well, they should make a lot of sense to everybody. But like, don't don't cliff jump. Like, there's obvious consequences if that goes wrong or something like that. But then there's other boundaries. And I hear the reason I'm thinking about them is because I hear people say, like, well, that's a boundary or why is that a boundary on the trail sometimes when I'm out there? And it'll be things like not sharing food or um, or not putting your um, sleeping area closer than six feet, things like that, that are, um, that are boundaries that we keep on the trail. Um, why, like, I'm sure for some people it's hard to understand why we have like some boundaries that don't make as much sense and some that do and 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 then it's easier for some trail walkers to keep certain boundaries than others um tell me a little bit about like what to say in those situations or what your thoughts are about that kind of thing um, just a few thoughts I had with that, especially with uh, boundaries that seem arbitrary, um, where it's not like, you know, it's obviously a boundary to not stab someone with a knife, but everyone's going to understand that. Um, but we have other boundaries about how to carve that you maybe you wouldn't cut yourself with a knife from carving one of these ways. Um, but we say don't carve, you know, toward yourself, things like that, just in case. And that's always a rough one. It's a little bit gray because um, it's not necessary. If this happens, this will happen. Um but for trail walkers, just on that side of holding consistent boundaries, um, I think it's a really important thing to to do because it one it, it something that that I've heard said before is 
Uh, people are most likely to push against uh, authority more so than than rules. Uh, once rules are established, people tend to kind of find their way in them and, and live accordingly. But if it's a fluctuating thing, then then people see that as a more authoritative approach where a trail walkers trying to hold maybe a rule that hasn't been held before. There's likely to be more resistance. And the only thing I could kind of think that, that relates, especially off the trails, like curfews with parents. Nothing, if your mom says to be home by 11, doesn't mean something terrible is going to happen at 11.05. But there's a, a safety aspect and there's just um, something could go badly or or, or it's just a, an added measure of keeping them safe um, that it's not doom and gloom. The world's not going to end. You know, if, if uh, a kid sleeps within 21 feet of the fire or whatever, or what the boundary is, it's not like it's not like terrible things are going to happen. Um, but it is a boundary that we hold because um, we don't want anything bad to happen in that boundary ever. So we've established like why we need boundaries. So how do we come up with boundaries like at home? Um, I mean, that's kind of a question like what's the what's the best way to come up with our own personal boundaries, family boundaries, things like that um, to make us continue to have that connection? Um, how do you, you know? I would I would say most of my boundaries have come up to my mind with help from a therapist. <laughs> uh, because I mean, there's some things that are like really obvious, you know, for most of us personally that are like, Oh yeah, I could see where doing these things or saying these things or being with these people are going to usually lead to this consequence. I don't want, but then I think there's more um, confusing things, especially when you're younger or maybe your, your life has changed and yeah, you need help, you know? And I think that's, in my life, the therapy I've received has been mostly that. Someone not really walking me through what has been, but kind of helping me not repeat the things I, that I've lived through. And that's through boundaries. Um, so, yeah, no, I'd say it's, it's with the help of loved ones or with therapists, you know. Yeah, and I think also being like finding your true self and really being true to that. Yeah. You don't want to put your hand on every stove that's hot. And, um, but I think part of it, you know, to, to what Kevin was saying, part of it is just having to go through it and realize, oh, that, that's a boundary. And then uh, the same point of, of trusting others. Trust is a huge part of boundaries, especially when you're young. Having to trust, um, you know, older, your parents or, or older siblings or mentors, um, even though you might not understand every aspect of it. Um, there, there's some things that you have to learn through experience, and there's some things that maybe are best not to. Yeah. Um, Travis, you said earlier about consistent boundaries, like keeping them and enforcing them. Um, so I'm thinking from a parent's perspective, how can I enforce boundaries and still have my chair turned? Um, like keep the person I'm like your, my kids may be responsive towards me. Um, have them respond in a way that feels good. Um, let them know that I still love them, but still hold a boundary. How do I, how do I do that? I'd say the number one thing is honesty with the boundaries. Um, I think most kids understand when, when maybe a, a boundary is a power play and, and, or sometimes just the easiest thing is to say no and to not have a reason behind it. Um, but I think having open discussion, you know, probably between parents first of like, Hey, why do we want this boundary to be this way? Um, is it for, for our child's benefit? Is it for our benefit? Cause both of those are valid reasons. Um, but if you're able to explain and give, give a reason 
as to why it's necessary and, and why it's in place. Um, even if a child, which at times they're not going to want to understand it at that age, they'll understand it later in life. Um, that's been my experience. And in talking with young walkers years after they've left the program, they might not see the reasoning or understand it or be okay with it in that moment, but they realize it later. Um, and so I'd say that, yeah, that's the biggest thing, being able to say why it's that way. And that's something that we, we try to do on the trail as well. Like have that conversation. If a kid asks why, we'll sit down and we'll talk about it. And it still might, it might not be the, the answer they're looking for or they want. I remember several conversations with, especially Sanawa, you know, they don't like certain rules, um, but they were just grateful that I took the time to talk to them and explain to them. And even though we didn't come to an agreement, they were willing to to, to follow that boundary. Thank you, Travis. Kevin, do you have any thoughts to add to that? Like as a parent, how can I enforce boundaries and still have my chair turned, keep my kids responsive, let them feel like that I love them, but this boundary is important. I think being a parent is unimaginably hard. <laughs> and so me as a single guy with no kids, I feel like it's so easy for me to talk through these things. Um, I don't know, I, I've had a lot of conversations with parents uh, at the family camp when the young walkers are seeing their parents for the first time in many weeks. And, uh, you know, the parents got the last minute jitters. The young walkers always do. And, you know, the, and they have these family plans they've been working on. And they're all like, everyone's been changing because naturally, regardless of everything, they're going to change, you know, over seven, eight weeks. And, and I have no idea. I mean, it is so hard. I, these parents will say some stuff to me where, you know, they're looking for answers. They're looking for like, how do I do this? How do I get my kid to not use their phone 24 seven? How do I get my kid to, you know, make it to curfew to do their homework, to go to school? Like, just like this dude that's like, Oh man, I don't, I don't know. All I know is like the NAMI of peace. And all I know is that, the more you make that connection and the more that you see them as a human, then these things will work out. And I, I've had so many experiences where I am talking to a father and he's looking me straight in the eyes and he's like, you know, feels like I have two sons. I have like the good son and the bad son. And, and this is someone who's, you know, been through tons of therapies, gone through the Arbinger experience and, and just kind of, metaphorically slapping him out of it and being like, man, you have one son. And, and it's so easy for me to say that because I, you know, I have, I didn't raise his child. I didn't, I haven't seen him as worst. I haven't seen him as best. And that day to day, um, can grind you down and can grind down those boundaries that, that you may set up. And, and to me, and, and I mean, I can speak with relationships how keeping your heart at peace, which is such a classic thing. Um, and the more I understand that, the more I'm able to lean into that, I am able to course correct myself, which allows me to hold the boundaries I've created. It, uh, it's not easy. It's, I've been working on this since I read Nami of Peace for the first time. And, and Anasazi creates this almost living experiment where I get to go and experience it when I was a trail walker and as a ridge walker and like get to experience that on a minute, minute by minute daily feeling to um, trying to uphold these boundaries with these young walkers and snuggle walkers. And 
It's oh yeah, it's sometimes trail walking. Well, especially now, yeah, in, in the position we're at, it's and to try and explain this stuff to people, it's it's so hard. We can't even train on how to hold boundaries. How do you train that? You know, and and all you can really do is talk about it and get you know metaphysical about it. Get get out there, get heady with it because. In the end, it's going to come down to your own mind and your heart in that moment. In that moment when that boundary is being pressed or someone's done, yes, someone's done something really terrible. And it's, you need to know what you're, what you should do in that instance before the instance happens. Yeah. I was thinking something that Travis was saying about how, um, there's like it's not people are pushing the rules as much as the authority and that goes a lot to what you're saying kevin about why would they be pushing the authority because they don't feel seen as a person you know they don't feel um they don't really feel seen and heard and um and i think if they feel seen as a person if they feel like ezekiel always says like i can lay down a curfew i can give somebody a curfew seeing them as a person with a heart at peace or at a heart at war. And I guarantee it's going to feel different. And the reaction will most likely to be different. I can't guarantee that, but um, it will feel different. And so I think that that, that really hits the nail on the head when we're saying like, if we're seeing people and we're, um, and we're responding or acting to their humanity when we're doing these boundaries, that is a very different thing than otherwise. Um, and, and another thing I feel when it comes to boundaries is that it's hard for parents to communicate this, but a lot of times the boundaries don't have an exact reason other than we feel threatened. Whatever this might happen will threaten we. It will make we weaker. And, um, and that, that is important. It is important that we are able to establish that we together. So now we've come to one of my favorite portions of the podcast today, and it's our fire circle. So I would like to invite each of you to participate in, um, our fire circle by talking about any awakenings that you've had or any last thoughts you have about boundaries. Yeah, just keep Thinking back to my own personal stories, because that's the easiest thing to talk about with boundaries. Um, I think uh, my uh, family's gone through some trials recently, and certain people more than others, um, involving relationships, to love, you know, to their to their partners, to my parents, and. Um, I guess I'm just really grateful that I am the person who I am. That I have learned the things I've learned. That I've gotten to experience what life is like without boundaries, with boundaries, and and get to see how many lives are blessed from the anatomy of peace. Um, and I, I just hope that for everyone because I know how unfair and just tragic life can be and how I personally believe that with boundaries and with understanding who you are, you, you can be happier because you 
are protecting yourself in a healthy way. Not just yourself, but your relationships. Which is, I mean, all that we are. You know, that's that's it. It's just us and our connections. And that's all that really matters. And I think that by putting effort into it and putting your heart into it and making it a priority and not just, I'll, I'll figure out that stuff later. Or it, um, I think it's led to my life being more peaceful and uh, being able to navigate to more peaceful goals and relationships. I am one with the clouds and I have spoken. Um, I'd say awakening I've had in regards to, to the topic and probably just the, the base awakening I'm, I'm working on now uh, is, is how boundaries change and evolve uh, in regards to all your relationships in time. Um, it's been interesting being back uh, here in Arizona. Started back in October uh, after being gone for uh, six, six years, I think. And... You know, I was 25, year old, 25 years old then, I'm, I'm 32 now, and there seems to be a little, there seems to be safety and, and, and comfort and familiarity in, in resorting back to what the boundaries were when I was 25. And I thought about that in regards to my family, um, with siblings and my parents, um, and just relationships in general. It feels like boundaries have to be actively... I don't want to say change, but actively grown in a way. Um, Cause if they're not, if it's a, if there's not effort being put into that relationship, it'll just kind of stay where it once was at. And so I remember a couple of years ago, um, you know, trying to kind of talk things through with my dad and, 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 and I was older. I traveled the world. I, I, you know, held the job and felt like I've done things that made me an adult but I felt like I was a 14 year old talking to him because that's what that's where I felt like the was the last time we kind of defined defined our, our boundaries. And. And, yeah, I, I think it's OK for those things to change um, and to kind of feel things out. When I think um, when I think about the path of water, how it, it, it meanders around, um, it goes down the path of least resistance. But also part of what it does is it carves itself a. It carves itself a space. Uh, water, it's very nat natural for water to push boundaries. It, it, finds a, it finds a belonging place for itself, and that's not a bad thing. And that's something that's helped me in thinking about working with these, with these teenagers who are a lot of times trying to push boundaries. It's very natural and, and helpful and part of growth to, to find the extent of those um, and, and to, to push them in a, in a way. Sometimes that looks bad, but sometimes um, it, it leads to positive outcomes as well. Um, so yeah, I think, um, to sum it up, part of, of establishing boundaries is, is expanding boundaries and, and finding the right ways and healthy ways in doing that. I'm summiting coyote. That's summiting coyote. And I've spoken. Thank you guys. Um, I think the awakening I've had is I don't think I've been very great at establishing personal boundaries or thinking about those um, and, and the value of them. You know, coming in today, I didn't realize what we would be talking about exactly with boundaries, but I've really had a lot of awakenings about that and how I need to um, work with my creator and my the the. Um, one who stands within to kind of figure out what um, will keep me on that healthy path. 
And so I really am appreciated for this. Um, I think that, uh, I think that it's not just important for me, but for the relationships. I love that we've kept bringing it back to, it's about relationships. So Thank you. And I'm raising our song I have spoken. Um, Travis and Kevin, we are so lucky to have you guys here at Anasazi. And I mean, just talking to you, you can tell you're passionate and caring and knowledgeable and just it's wonderful to have you. So thanks for, you know, leading the field for us and um, and being in this podcast. On behalf of Travis and Kevin, it's our pleasure. <laughs> This has been The Fire Circle, a podcast by the Anasazi Foundation. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share. We'd sure appreciate your review. Anasazi Foundation is a whole family solution. Through primitive living experiences, it gives young people an opportunity to heal at the hands of nature. Its philosophy invites a change of heart and a change of perspective on one's whole way of walking in the world. Visit anasazi.org for more information. Copyright 2021 by Anasazi Foundation. Sure love ya!